0: I'm Rosa Mendez and I'm here at the number
1: one Long Island broadcast, Monty and Farrow. I have the best time ever. Hey, listen, Daddy. You're listening to the number one broadcast, Monty and Farrow, Daddy, and Long Island. The best pro wrestling broadcast of all time, I think.
2: Jimmy, I got to tell you, man, it feels good to be back on YouTube. It was uh, quite disappointing what happened to us, but we bounced back pretty fairly quickly. Well, what else would we do? We're almost at 5,000 subscribers. Well, speaking of that, man, yeah. we need more members. Okay. What do you think we need to do to get the people of those 5,000 subscribers to come on and, and join the team as a Monty and the Faro member? Nudity is out of the question.
3: Any other ideas?
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I don't know.
3: But what I, I do have a few ideas. Well, just like Prel, they should tell two friends, and they can tell two friends, and so on and so on. Hit the like, hit the subscribe. Check out all our content.
2: But that's, you know what? That's why you're, you're the star of the show, because guess what? Members get special content. Even we spoke about it. Farrell came to me one day and he goes, man, what's the deal? I can't even watch some of these videos because I'm not a member. And I said, there you go, Farrell. You got to be a member because this is what the members get. They get free content nice. that none of the other fans that watch this show get. That's right. You get free autographs from some of these wonderful stars that come in, right? Nice. All you do is you go to the MNP webpage or right our own page yeah. and shoot us an email and say, hey, man, I want a picture of... Tommy Rich, I want a picture or whatever. And boy, that's we on give its give them their
3: choice. That's right. We rock. We do rock. And you need to rock, too. Join. Elm Logistics. For all your logistic needs, call 631-299-3595. That's 631-299-3595. Elm Global Logistics. Pride, Performance, and Partnerships. m j Video Games and Collectibles, sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut. Call us at one 479 9223 or 860-93-GAMES. M&J Video Games and Collectibles.
1: I wondered and waited For it's been said, united we stand, divided we fall To waiting for you, holding it together Just like a desert flower, waiting on the rain
2: All right, guys, welcome to another episode of SOB Sports, episode six, episode five was fantastic. All right, Mike, have at it, my friend. How you doing, Monty?
4: Uh, Thanks for uh, having us on today again. It's always a pleasure uh, being on here and sharing stories with the fans and everything. Um, it's a beautiful, sunny day here in Florida, about 85 degrees, the wind's blowing about 20 miles an hour, and life couldn't be better,
2: I guess, you know? First of all, I think you missed your call. You should be like a weatherman.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I don't think, uh, I mean, it probably is the easiest job in the world, to be honest with you, because the weathermen don't make fucking shit, and they're always wrong. So that would be an ideal uh, situation for me, for sure. <laughs>
2: Well, listen, you know, uh, you guys did real well last week and some clips really did well. But the one people were saying, well, they didn't want to hear my voice. They wanted to hear your guys' voice. So I'm going to lead in just off of what you guys were discussing yes, uh, last week with the whole Rick Steiner thing. Um, and by the way, Bruce from ESO is with us again. He's uh, joining. The hangout hey, with Bruce. Voice. How's everybody doing? So,
4: you brought up the subject of Rick Steiner. Uh, Yeah. So, as probably everybody has seen in the news, um, Kid Rock blowing up Bud Light fucking cans, man. I thought that was great. Um, At first, I didn't know the whole fucking story, but now, you know, this transgender topic is really at the top of the news every day, and um, it just won't go away. You know, now Bud Light's uh, supporting transgender. What are they trying to do? Pick up the 1.8 million transgenders uh, to buy some fucking beer? Or what are they? What are they doing here? I don't. I don't get it. You know. Um, well,
0: what I saw, well, what I saw was the. Uh, I, read, I read up on that, and it was the vice president in charge of marketing for Bud Light decided that uh, they did a new marketing because she basically she doesn't like the customers that buy Bud Light. She wants to change it up. So uh, she thought that this was a good move to get still deal and whatever it seems uh, to, uh, to do the commercials. And it's backfired hugely. We've got uh, individuals, uh, we got, in, we got the, a lot of distributors are taking it off their shelves, uh, are selling it anymore. Uh, people, it's, it's a huge backlash at the moment, and I think it's just gonna it's gonna get bigger. And Bud Light that's Anastasia Bush's biggest brand, Bud Light. So I think there's gonna be uh, a big backlash and it's gonna it's gonna hurt their brand for, for a while to come.
4: Well, you know, I seen a stat um, when they were talking about this whole kid rock thing. I seen it on another podcast actually, and they said that the ages of thirteen and over, There's only like 1.9 million transgenders in the United States and uh, they didn't have the worldwide numbers but this is just in the US and so why are they reaching out to only 1.9 million people? Do they think that they're going to make that much more money off of 1.9 million transgenders? You think just because they support transgenders that the fucking uh, transgenders are going to buy Bud Light now or what? I don't think so. If they didn't drink Bud Light before, they're not going to drink it now.
0: Well, she wants a whole new audience, Doug's That's the thing about it. She wants to have a whole new audience. She wants to have a new. Uh, uh, she wants to market to a whole new bunch of people. And even if it's 1.8 million, not all of them are drinkers. You know what I mean? And not all of them drink Bud Light, that's for sure. I
1: think well, you a lot know. of it's
5: all, all about the exposure. I think that these companies more and more and more just want to get into the headlines, and they know it's an easy way to get – into the into the mainstream media right away and you know get, get that exposure. We're having we've had it here locally. They're doing things that um, we don't normally see uh, uh, around here. It's a relatively conservative area. Like we had a drag queen had, um, a drag queen story hour a couple weeks ago, and it was it, it's not necessarily the area that you would expect it to. But the reason that that business did it was to get the uh, to get the area up in arms and get that publicity and yeah. You know, I don't know. It's, it just seems like it's everywhere right now. You you open up the newspaper, it's on page. It, it's right there, page one. You know, this one supporting it. the other one. Uh, wasn't it Nike was the other company that came out and and uh, did something with it with the same with the same athlete yeah. that Bud Light did it with. or The same person Bud Light did it with. Uh, I saw something yeah. about that too. Well, true, uh, that I, all
4: I know is I'm not a big drinker at all. But I damn sure will never have a fucking Bud Light in in the rest of my life, for sure. Um, You know, there's just no room for transgenders in sports, period. I don't give a shit. There's no room. There's no reason drag queens should have drag queen fucking story hour and telling stories to little fucking kids. You know, there's just no, no purpose for that shit whatsoever on this planet. And I don't know why everybody's trying to jam this subject down our throat, but I'm fucking
5: tired of it. I can't wait for LeBron James to retire and come back as LeBron James, and him and Dewan Wade go back into the WNBA and, and take a couple
4: more championships.
5: Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, that's could...
4: how they fucking feel feel when they get fucking bashed around with the elbow in the fucking face or in the in the fucking uh, in the breast or something. You know, I mean, they're not gonna like that shit very much. And um, you know, as 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 parents, you know, we have to monitor what we let our kids see and not see or listen to and not listen to. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let my daughter go to a fucking uh, drag queen story hour. Um, you know, if I want to read them a fucking book, I'll read them a book myself. Uh, but I'm damn, damn sure not going to let him go sit in front of a fucking drag queen and let him listen to a drag queen tell a fucking stupid ass fucking story. It's probably about transgenders anyway. You know, these fucking Walt yeah. Disney movies, they have all these hidden agendas in these Walt Disney movies and shit, and people just don't fucking see it, and they keep supporting them and keep buying these movies. And, you know, I don't I don't understand what people are actually going through their fucking head these days.
0: Well, you know what? It's, you know, staying on the woke theme. Um, actually, uh, Mario Brothers movie just came out, too, and it's just blown everything out of water. Disney was saying for a long time that uh, – the numbers were down because people were going to movie, movie, and they were staying away from movies because of the whole uh, virus uh, situation. And um, Mario Brothers proved them wrong, and they went shot to number one The Mario Brothers. It's not a woke agenda. They uh, On Rotten Tomatoes, it's like uh, 53 is what the critics are giving it, and sitting at 98% from the fans Stuff. People are just tired of this bulk agenda that they're trying to push down uh, people's throats. And, and they just proved it, man. Uh, Mario's proved it. The whole issue with Bud Light kind of proves it. Uh, Top Gun, earlier last year uh, when, when Top Gun Maverick, uh, there was no agenda to that. And that kind of proved the same thing. I mean, over and over again, just proving to all these people how it's just a good idea. Go woke, go broke uh, is the whole is is what they say, right?
4: Well, as far as I'm concerned, they, they can all go fucking broke for all I give a fucking shit, you know. And to be honest, I'm tired of talking about these fucking transgenders because they can go fuck themselves. And um, I want to talk about something interesting. Let's talk about some sports, man. Let's talk about the Masters Tournament this weekend in Augusta, Georgia. You know, John Rahm, you know, when they started the tournament, it was beautiful weather on on Thursday. Um, On Friday, they had two inches of rain over Saturday. And so on Saturdays, uh, golf got delayed in another rain delay. And on Sunday morning, they had to finish most of round three and round four. And when round three started, John Rahm was four shots back. He was at minus nine. And Brooks Kepka was 13 under. And I happened to watch the tournament on TV. And John Rahm just dominated, man. He just, once he tied that guy and went ahead of him by one, it was all over but the shouting, man. And he just played safe all day long. He ended up winning the tournament by four strokes. He's the fourth Spaniard to ever win the to win the green jacket. And what an accomplishment for John Rom! You know, he's he's been the world's number one golfer on and off for the past two or three years now. And in my opinion, I think he's going to be the new uh, Tiger Woods. Um, he really plays some great golf. You know. Um, you know,
0: uh, you said he was he was the fourth Spanish player to win the Masters. He's also got uh, this is his second major championship. He's it's his eleventh uh, PGA Tour win. He's 28 years old, so he's got a lot of time on his hands yet. Um, he's also won on the uh, two European Ryder Cups, uh, 2018 and 2021. So, and he just moved into the official number one world golf yeah. ranking.
4: Yeah, you know, I mean, he's really playing some good golf right now. And, um, you know, there's a lot of guys, you know, Tiger Woods, he um, tied a record this weekend. Uh for most consecutive cuts made at the Masters, I think it's—I uh, think the number is like 24 or something like that. It's
0: 20. It's 23, and he's tied with Fred Couples and Sam Snead.
4: Yeah, there you go. So 23 straight Masters cuts. He ended up pulling out on on Saturday, the start of Saturday's play. He just couldn't hardly walk, man. I seen him out there. He was struggling, man. I felt bad for him. He looked like a cripple out there. And he just had to pull it out. And, you know, if if, he's, if you're not going to compete at your best, um, there's really no sense in out putting yourself out there to get injured. And um, I think that took a lot of balls for Tiger Woods to, uh, to kind of bow out of the Masters tournament, you know.
0: Yeah, I think he's done. I think he's done. I think that's his last tournament. Uh, speaking of other golfers, how about Phil Mickelson uh, making a run for it? Yeah. Uh,
4: Phil tried to pull one out of his ass, man. I mean, he really—he came out of nowhere. He, I think, he shot like six under par on Sunday, and he literally came from nowhere, and he put up the number in the in the uh, tournament at eight under par, and he set the number. But again, John Rahm was ahead of him by two strokes at that time when Phil went in it at eight under and at that point John Rahm just played it safe he just put the ball on the green He'd get up and down in two and he just played that way for the whole rest of the day and um, you know he really never took any chances he was not going to let this green jacket and the master 2023 masters championship slip through his hands that's for sure.
0: Speaking about the green jacket I've got a little bit of tidbit of I uh, checked out a few little uh, you know, uh, creative entertainment uh, about the Masters here. Um, I was, that was the the one thing about those green jackets is they are tailor-made. And for the last 50 years, they've been tailor-made by a company out of Cincinnati. But it's a secret. It's a secret. They don't, nobody knows who the tailor is, not even the golfers. And then they get this green jacket for 12 months. And then after 12 months, it goes back and uh, it sits at Augusta. And whenever they come back, they can wear it. It was uh, that was a nifty little tidbit I I read about uh, yesterday. Well, that would
4: that would make sense then. When John Rahm won the tournament, and he was walking off the course, um, going into the clubhouse. A lot of the old uh, Masters champions were greeting him, and they all had the green jacket. I'm like, man, they fucking all came with their green jackets, but obviously they didn't. They have them there waiting for them. So I think that's pretty fucking cool, man you know the masters they really promote the masters big time and if anybody watched that golf tournament over the weekend on tv that golf course is absolutely beautiful yeah, i mean yeah. it, is, it is pristine the the homemade bridges they got names for all the bridges and they said you went over arnold palmer arnold palmer's bridge and now you're going over sevy Ballesteros lane and i'm thinking That's fucking some cool shit, man. You know, that the flowers and the trees, everything was well-grown. You know, for that course to take on two inches of rain on Friday, they did one hell of a job of getting everything ready for the weekend. You know, I
0: was researching this. While I was doing my research, I had a whole new respect for Augusta because that place was originally, it was, they were growing plants and bushes, trees, and shrubs. It was before it became a golf course, it was a nursery. And uh, so they kept a lot of the plants that were growing in the nursery. They kept them on there, and that's why you always see a lot of flowers and, and all the good stuff. They kept that stuff uh, at Augusta. And um, when, they, when, they, uh, when they started when they started, I think it was in 30, 32 was when the course first opened up. And when they had the first, uh, they called it the, the Augusta National Invitation. And then I don't think it was called the Masters until, like, uh, 49. And then that was Sam Sneed who was the first to wear the – well, was, I think it was 42 when they uh, started calling it the Masters. And then Sam Sneed in 49 was the first to wear one of the green jackets.
4: Very interesting, man. You've done your homework, Chubbs. Way to go.
0: I'm telling Dude, I've been waiting on you guys all weekend, brother. I have I plenty guess, of time yeah. on it. But no, really, I know I got a whole new respect. I really got a whole new respect for that. I uh, just, it's just, I thought it was interesting little uh, little tidbits to find um, out there about uh, the Masters. So I'm excited about our next uh, our, our next tournament.
4: <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, and they also had um, the Bristol Dirt Race uh, this weekend, um, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, In Bristol, Tennessee, and they brought in, I don't know, a thousand fucking tons of dirt and put it on this concrete track and made it into a dirt track. And I tell you what, man, these trucks and these NASCARs were sliding all over the fucking place, man. And Christopher Bell ended up winning the NASCAR race yesterday as well. Um, He held off uh, Kyle Busch, I believe, and Tyler Reddick to get the win yesterday. And, um, you know, Tyler, uh, Christopher Bell is a dirt track specialist. He's a dirt track ringer. And Kyle Larson was actually the favorite of the race. But him and uh, Ryan Priest got locked up in a little accident. Uh, they kind of rubbed doors and it pissed Ryan Priest off. And so then later on in the race, Kyle Larson got stuck in the back, was making his way to the front. And these two cars uh, came next to each other, and fucking Ryan Priest just blatantly ran his ass into the wall. And you know Kyle Larson was the favorite at three to one, and he was out with halfway to go into the race. So after that, I wasn't really interested because Kyle Larson's kind of my my NASCAR favorite guy ever. Um, so you know, I just totally lost it. Were my you favorite- invested?
0: Were you invested in that, Mike?
4: Um, you a little bit. In Carlton? You know, yeah, a, a little, a little bit. You know, I was, I was, I was a little disappointed, I have to say. Um, but you know, there's tomorrow's a new day, baby, and the sun rose just like it was supposed to this morning. So, so, so
0: let me, so tell me this, Mike, um, with that dirt, okay, is it the Bristol, Bristol, Tennessee, obviously, right? And it's yes. not in the, it's not the same, it's not the same track as the NASCAR goes on, obviously. If the it was this weekend. Yeah, well, they're,
4: they're... what what they did was they brought in dirt and put it over the top of the concrete and they, they you know, brought this dirt in and they groomed it and they watered it and they just kept dumping more dirt down. And with all the practice and stuff and the trucks running on it, man, it was in, it was in prime condition, but about a quarter of the way into the beginning of the race, you could see where, uh, the dirt track started to break up a little bit. it, it was like three or four inches deep in some places, and and there were big divots in this thing. And if you ran over it, it was like running over a fucking pothole. It just would destroy your car. So, yeah. you know, and the only thing they could do is just put water on the track, you know. Um, it was too late at that point to just add more dirt. But for them to create a dirt track out of a concrete uh, asphalt track is is pretty amazing actually when you think about it it's just like turning a basketball uh surface into a hockey arena right it's like taking taking the platforms off and and then you got the ice below the uh below the basketball um or
0: floor. or taking a mantar or taking a mantar and making him into a hell of a professional wrestler right or
5: or there's that <laughs>
4: and then there's that yeah absolutely. Hey.
0: Speaking about wrestling, uh, do you uh, get a chance to check out some of the uh, WrestleMania over the weekend? I uh, well, wouldn't mind no. uh, hitting, hitting that up a little bit.
4: Well, I'll tell you what, you know, um, I just thought it was incredible that they kept the belt on Roman Reigns. Uh, they totally swerved the public. Everybody on Monday morning is like, fuck WWE. I'm never watching them again. And blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, you motherfuckers, you ain't going to go anywhere because now you want to see if Cody Rhodes really is going to get a chance at being the man. And I think he's going to get his turn. I just think that they've had Roman Reigns on top for so long that it only makes sense to keep him there because he's obviously. Hey, uh, Marty.
2: Marty, you
0: suit. want to join in on this, Marty, because you, Who the uh, fuck you is Marty? comment earlier
2: when we who's, were off the talk, He's talking about me. I think he's hey, got Jannetty on the head. Who, who's Marty? Yeah, guy? I mean Monty. Think...
0: Sorry, buddy. Sorry.
2: Monty. So here, here, here's the interesting question to all three of you, right? Um, I think what is more important, business or meeting the fans' expectations? So two examples, and if a <clears> team weigh in, that'd be great. The WWE, right? You got Roman Reigns, who's now been a a real proven commodity, right? A moneymaker, probably has the biggest pay-per-view buys or attendance or views in the history of wrestling. I understand. Different times, different eras, get it. And then you're going to take a risk on someone like Cody Rhodes, who worked for AEW and couldn't even bring that organization over the top. So my question to you guys is, If you are a wrestling promoter or you can compare the two, the WWE, who seems to do what they feel is best for business for themselves, where Tony Khan and AEW seems to want to meet his uh, particular niche of fans and give them what they want. If you guys could weigh in, what do you you guys think is the better thing to do here?
4: You know, Monty, I think you're kind of jumping the gun a little bit on AEW. You know, they've only been around for three years. And Vince McMahon didn't, you know, get the WWE established where he's at today in three years' time. You know, it took it took many years, and it took many champions, it took many stories, and it just took a lot of work for Vince. And you know, let's let's get it straight. Tony Khan is no Vince McMahon. You know, and um, I think what Cody Rhodes did for AEW, I think he did a great job because he got the product up and running. Um, the product is established. Are they on the WWE's level right now? No, I don't think so. But, but are I'm they, not, like, Mike. Are I'm they not they asking the
2: them to be on the WWE's level. What I'm going to ask you is, I feel they're going out of their way to be so.
5: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
2: Different. They're going against a obvious uh, menu or uh, ingredients that work in professional wrestling. And that's why you're not seeing the growth. And again, I'm not trying to attack AEW, but I don't see any growth there. In fact, I've seen them go from a certain level down. Yeah, you know, there's
4: a, lot of, there's a lot of turmoil right now in the AEW locker room. You know, you got the whole fucking CM Punk thing who thinks he's better than God is. And you um, got a lot of heat there. Um, you got the boys doing absolutely whatever the fuck they want to do in the ring. Because Tony Khan doesn't know shit about wrestling, you know. And, and I think if you're going to have a wrestling company, I think someone has to say, okay, Listen. I don't care what you guys do in there, but for the finish, this is what I want. Instead of letting these boys call their own shots, because that's what they're all doing in there. Nobody is directing these people on what the hell they want to do in there. And, you know, um, a lot of these guys are wrestling for other companies, for other organizations. And um, I just don't, I just think that there's um, not enough leaders in the company itself, as in the higher ups, uh, the people who's calling the shots because they've given the boys free reign. And when you do that, it's just going to turn into a clusterfuck. And that's what they got right now is a clusterfuck. Well, it turns,
2: it turns into WCW, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say because the WCW back in the day, when I was there uh, for my little run there, uh, the problem with the WCW is they had way too many chiefs and not enough Indians. And uh, when you've got too many cooks, you kind of spoil the you spoil the stew in the end effect. And uh, that was a big problem in WCW. Everybody had their own agenda. The thing with the WWE at the moment or it was when Vince was around and now that he's back, he in the end effect, Vince has the final word. And the way it used to be back in the, back in the, in the eighties, when I broke into wrestling, it was you, you were making the product and you, the people, your fans would buy the product, right? So you got to tell a comparable story, a good story. You got to have strong people on top. Um, and, uh, you gotta, and yeah, you gotta have people that can carry the product. And that's not always, uh, that's not always prevalent, you know? Um, but uh, you were asking about Roman Reigns as well. And I think Roman Reigns, um, I thought that match, I thought they left it open, of course. And that's going to keep people uh, coming back uh, to watch it when when they have another match. Um, uh, but the thing is, is I thought it was a decent match. I thought the the match was good. I thought the whole WrestleMania was pretty decent. Um, yeah, really good. And, and And my favorite match on the card was, was the uh, triple threat match with the European guys? Uh, it, was, it was it was well told. It was a well told story, and uh, yeah, I and I'm kind of yeah I've got a man crush on those guys because I you know I work with all of them uh, toward the end of my career in Europe and stuff like that, and uh, they just they really they really shined, and I thought that that uh, what do they call him Walter Gunther? I thought uh, he is he's a pretty good he takes control of a match and he tells a hell of a story in the end. I'm, I'm very proud of that, that kid. Uh, I, I think that, uh, yeah, like I said, I think the WrestleMania was pretty good. So,
4: well, my favorite match was uh, Charlotte flair against Rhea Ripley. I mean, they stole the show, I think in night one, and they went out there and tore that fucking place up. And um, they really performed. They were at the top of their game. They were on their A plus game. And they told one hell of a story. And Rhea Ripley, uh, kudos to her, um, she wins her first WWE uh, championship. And you know, I don't think I think Charlotte Flair has um, got some bodybuilding venture that she's um, getting started in, so she's going to take some time off. Um, So it was kind of planned that she would do the job. But still, Rhea Ripley. You know, she deserves to be in that spot. You know, she's put in her time. She's worked hard and she's over, man. And the fans are behind her. And, um, you know, I'm really impressed with uh, Dominic Mysterio as well. You know, um, it's not easy um, doing what he's been doing week after week, you know, calling his dad names, smacking him, taunting him. You know tawny his sisters his, his parents and you know and i think how they did that uh i think how they did that finish was great um you know dominic he threw the glass of water he said i had my sister gave me this glass of water and there was water in it and he said she didn't know i was going to throw it in her face and i didn't know but there was an opportunity and i'm taking advantage and he just <laughs> fucking soaked his sister man she came unglued and good thing, you know, they were right there to pull her back. But that was just an ad lib thing. And I thought it was fucking phenomenal. It was crazy. Okay. I was like, yeah, you he got her.
0: Okay, dude. What about, okay, what about the Snoop Dogg stuff? Was that, I mean, did McMahon get hurt or was that all the whole thing? Yeah. Was,
4: was, no, was listen, Snoop Dogg supposed that, that, to do that crap? That shows you right there. No, Snoop wasn't supposed to do any of that crap. So I don't really know what they were supposed to do. But Shane McMahon literally fucked himself up and Snoop Dogg saved the day. He just ad libbed and came out with the fucking people's elbow and dropped it on The Miz.
2: You know what, though? Um, Now it's being told that The Miz called that in the ring. So you got to give Miz a little bit of props. He got Snoop Dogg going. Hey.
4: You know, props to the Miz. I mean, Miz is a true professional. He knows how to make the save, right? And and when shit goes down, somebody's got to make that call in there. And so either you're going to sit there and look stupid or you're going to speak up and and save the day. And obviously, you know, Snoop listened to him and he saved the fucking day. And it was excellent, man. I mean, it was fucking comical the way the Snoop fucking dropped that people's elbow on, on, on the Miz, right? I mean, he totally fucking did the fucking thing, did the whoop. And then fucking off, he, off and running, he went, man. He dropped that fucking elbow. and looked pretty good elbow, too.
2: I and loved I had it, to man. Give, I loved uh, it.
4: I had to give Lesnar kudos
0: because um, that's probably the most entertainment, the most – okay, he worked a big man match with the big man, right? And he made the guy look good. And you could tell that he was the guy was green, right? Uh, what's his name? What's the big Omos. guy's name? Omos. Omos. So Omos. He's dude. You could tell he's green and stuff like that. But I thought Lesnar worked with him really well on the card for a big man match uh, with a guy that green. I thought he did. A, he did a pretty decent job. So I got a little bit. I got. I mean, it's, as far as I've got, loads of respect for Lesnar. Don't get this wrong. Um, but, but as a professional wrestler, I my 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 opinion of him has just moved up a notch.
2: I want to get the uh, fans' perspective on it. ESO thoughts on should the WWE have stripped reigns of the title and gave it Cody Rhodes as the fans wanted? No, no,
5: absolutely not. They played it out no. the right way. Yeah, the long range. This is it's a it's a better the, the chase is always better than the victory. Um, I have to say, WrestleMania overall, it wasn't for the wrestling fan. WrestleMania <laughs> was for the casual wrestling fan, and that's what you really felt coming out of it. So. It, 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 they're booking. I, I sometimes see Cody get the belt there. If if, that, if he does get it, uh, but overall, it, I loved WrestleMania. I thought it was, it was better than I had expected. I, I went into the show expecting uh, not too much, and it, it came out better than I thought. Night one had some some great matches. It did have a couple stinkers, but it had some great matches. My favorite match night one was the Logan Paul Seth Rollins match. I think. Uh, you, those guys are so entertaining. I'm going to say it was the best match, but it was, it was the most fun for me. Uh, Night 2, definitely, definitely that triple threat. That was awesome. Those guys tore down the house. Usually I don't like matches where there's, uh, you know, Fatal Four ways, triple threats, stuff like that, because it always seems like one or two wrestlers is too inactive. You know, they take a light bump, disappear out of the ring. But they had everything very, very believable. They told a great story in that match. Absolutely, absolutely enjoyed it.
4: Well, you
5: know, I mean, in my opinion, the
4: the product of wrestling on TV sucks today. And so I am not going to torture myself and watch four hours of WrestleMania on two nights in a row. You know, I watch little tidbits of little matches here and there, and that's enough for me. You know, there ain't no fucking way I can stomach um eight hours of wrestling entertainment to watch from the WWE, you know, I would fucking, you know, I might end up with the fucking flu or something after that, you know? So I'm not going to subject myself to the product because I think the product sucks today. And I don't think, I think when they, when they did WrestleMania, I don't think that they planned things to make their current fans happy. I think they plan things to try and gain more fans and more interest of people that aren't wrestling fans, because it was a great show. And it was the biggest moneymaker the WWE has ever had in their lifetime of a company. And so, you know, they're doing something right, but, you know, now that they say that Vince is in control again, the product is just going to go right down the shitter. I think Triple H has done a great job in, and um, telling some stories and, bringing back people, you know, and all the people that Vince brought back, you know, um, who was it? Somebody got, uh, I read somewhere where somebody got nixed off the fucking card at the last minute. And for the life of me, I don't know who it was, but it was a top superstar who was supposed to have. um, Bobby, Bobby Lashley, Mike. Was it Bobby Lashley? Yes, sir. Yeah. So I heard that, you know, they kind of cut his thing at the end and, you know, he didn't even get a fucking perform. And I was like, well, that sounds like Vince to me. You know, that's something that that's only something Vince would do. And, you know, uh, it is it is what it is. You know, he's in charge. They made the big sale. Whoopie do. I think it's going to change the product. Um, You know, they, they say it's not, but I don't think that I don't think that, you know, you got more people now inputting on things and, and you only have 49% of the company. So you really don't have the last word. And if somebody that has 51% wants to say, well, we want this to happen. Well, that's, what's got to happen because they own 51% of the company. Right. So I don't think Vince is in charge as much as people say he is, but I really think that he's still running things
2: for sure. I have a, I have a question for you guys, and it's really on an important level. Uh, you know, we we're all getting up there in age, right? You guys have put yourselves on the line for so many years as uh, professional wrestlers. More than ever, we see these GoFundMe pages coming out. Superstar Graham. Um, I think Butch Whack, Bush, Butch Wacker Luke passed away, if I'm right. Um, Butch, see it? Butch. Butch, sorry. Yeah, Butch, 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 whatever. Um, so anyway, the question I have for you guys Do you guys feel that these organizations owe you and to take care of you after you've well been out of the industry? I mean, we've all have our health problems, so I'd like both of you to weigh in. I think it's an important subject. Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of us guys, we depended on
4: that money that we made every day working for the company. And, you know, knowing that you don't have any health insurance, um, it kind of puts you in a really bad spot. And. You know, the company is not going to step up and make you an employee. You're just a, or you're a public uh, subcontractor for a reason, and they're going to keep it that way. And I just think that it should be a black eye on more of the sport and who's running it than it should be on the boys, because the boys are only asking for help. If these fans knew what we went through working for fucking Vince McMahon and knowing what he did not do for us, um, they would say, what the fuck is going on? What were these guys thinking working for this guy? Thinking, well, geez, if we weren't working for the guy, then you wouldn't have had nothing to watch and you wouldn't have nothing to complain about, you know? And so I just think it's really tough. You know I mean? You know, what do you expect these guys to do that are 75, 80 years old and they don't have insurance and, and their their disability check is a thousand bucks, and that's all they have. And um, you know they're fucked. You know they don't have no. You know what, you, you know
0: what though? Um, it's not just Vince McMahon. It's, it's it's wrestling promoters in general. They don't give a damn. I mean, um, I tore a hamstring on a, on All Star Promotions. You know what I mean? I didn't get any reimbursement from it other than uh, I had to take a few days off because I couldn't. Uh, because I couldn't wrestle on it uh, uh, on a torn hamstring uh, the first couple of days, and then I had to go right back to work because there is no security in the wrestling industry. You're only making money while while it's while you're making money, you destroy your body. I mean, I've got I've got one new hip. I I, I need a two, I need a second hip. I need two new knees, and then after that, we'll take a look at my shoulders. Hold oh, um, you forgot so,
4: you forgot a new face, brother. You need a new face. No,
0: brother, I do need a new face. But but you know what? Are you yours? Isn't hurting you, is it? Because it's killing me.
4: No,
1: you
0: no,
4: know? man, so, you ain't gonna go there. All
0: <laughs> right,
4: not, not right, even right. Right, over. You, but, you changed know, you, said, you know, you said a key word in there. You took a couple days off. Salad. And you did yeah, salad. And you know, you yeah. didn't get paid. You didn't get reimbursed for taking them two days off. You got no, no. money on that time that you no, took. No, that's what I meant. You made you made absolutely fucking nothing. You know, and so these wrestlers, they go out there and beat their themselves up their whole life. And, you know, I guess in a way, I think it's I think it's okay. You know, I mean, I'm kind of kind of torn, you know. I mean, you know, you're supposed to plan for them days, aren't you? And um I think that no matter how much money you don't have, I think that you're still able to Plan for that day to happen because it's eventually going to happen to all of us and it's unfortunate that Butch has to uh, make a GoFundMe page you know for his medical bills and um, his burial and stuff like that you know I mean he's dead now so they can't fucking make Butch pay for nothing in the hospital right um, yeah. and so it sounds like to me that he didn't have a whole lot and you know he was around when the wwf was making a lot of money and the boys were making a lot of money and so for the life of me i don't understand why he put out a gofundme page but he obviously needs it and if the man needs it then more power to him i hope he gets everything that he needs and deserves and you know god rest his soul but there's just i don't know i'm kind of on the fence about this GoFundMe shit.
2: How about superstar Billy Graham? What are your thoughts about him?
4: Yeah, the same. You know, he's another controversial wrestler. He said a few controversial things in his day. And, um, you know, I like I said, you know, he is really bad off. And I heard that his days are severely numbered right now. And um, I feel bad for him. You know, did I contribute? No. Um, I don't feel like it's my place to contribute. Um you know, I, I just don't think that when you put them GoFundMe's out there, you should not expect the boys to contribute at all. Um, I know sometimes. You How know, about the
2: fans? Should the fans have to contribute?
4: I think I think it's it's all about the fans and the GoFundMe's. Um, that's what it's, I think that's what they put it out there for, hoping that the wrestler has enough fans out there that loved him enough that are going to help pay to bury the guy. And, I mean, didn't uh, we
2: pay for it back when we bought the tickets for $80 a piece? No, I think
4: you did, you paid for that performance, man. What are you, what are you talking about?
2: Yeah, but I, I think, think people, if people, if,
0: if there are fans out there that actually want to pay uh, for somebody's GoFundMe, that's really up to them. You know, uh, like Mike said, he, he didn't do it. I mean, if I knew a guy really well, uh, I might uh, send him a little bit of money or something like that. But uh, other than that, I—I I mean, I just know what it's like, and I know how people—people um, people end up in—in uh, in a bad way. I mean, a lot of wrestlers. I mean, the number of wrestlers that are broke after the job is just ridiculous. You—you you know what? Uh, you first of all, it's hard to get a really great insurance when you tell the company that you're a professional wrestler when you're when you're doing it live, and then—and uh, then nobody's. And and if nobody is gonna help you in the end after you performed, if you've given 30 years to the business and you performed, I just think it's a neat thing if the if the if the fans wanna help out and stuff like that. It just it just shows that there's a lot of respect for for individual uh, wrestlers. And uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start a GoFundMe page, but I'd like to think that there's enough uh, people that have that I got enough fans out there that would have enough respect for me and might say, hey, even if it's a fiver or whatever. But like I said, I'm I'm not into that. I'm not into it personally. But to each his own. I'm not going to get pissed if somebody else is doing it.
2: Listen, um, last night was the final documentary on A and E for the season on Dusty Roads. You guys have any uh, memories of Dusty Roads or information about Dusty Roads? Paul,
4: let's pause the guy for that question because you know Paul. Well, I, I got John a good story about Dusty. Yeah, I got
0: a good story about Dusty. So um, when I went to when I started in WCW, uh, what had happened was um, I uh, I I went and had my dark match in uh, January and Dusty was just finishing up the King of the Ring with New York. And then he was going to start having the book for WCW. So I had the dark match when he wasn't there, but they showed him the tape. He liked it. And he said, just be patient. We'll bring you in. And so he you know, he stepped in in the beginning of February. And then uh, I was in uh, Pensacola, Florida with Randy Colley, Moondog Rex. There was an undercard, Randy's knee was bothering him. And uh, then, um, so I had my gear in the car and Grizzly said, well, do you want to work with Brad Armstrong? So me and Brad went on first and I worked the PN News gimmick as a heel. And we tore the place down. We had a full house and we tore the place down on first and stuff like that the crowd was really good i came back and windham and grizzly smith said hey we're doing tv in marietta on uh, on monday show up man we'll get you in a match we'll get you in with flair or anybody you know what i mean this was windham talking and so i got to the tv in marietta and dusty was there and i and he just he told me to be patient and they were going to bring me in so in april they had me come into the uh they had me come into the, the uh, Twin Towers there, uh, CNN Towers, and I went up there, and, and he was asking me about the idea and what the gimmick was, and I showed him because I came up with the rapping wrestler gimmick, and I was calling myself P.J. Cool, and then he said, all right, baby, what we're going to do is we're going to bring you in and we're going to call you P.N.N. It's like CNN, if you will, you know, and the people will get that correlation. And so I thought, well, that sounds great, Dusty. And so they had me... They had me at the end of April. They had me do the Great American bash uh, uh, commercial, and I hadn't even had a television man. You know, I just started doing TV, and um, I wasn't under a contract. And so I did the two TVs, and everything was going. Everything was going good. I had to go to the uh, Omni in in uh, Atlanta and just do a rap in the arena, and I hated doing it because they didn't have a playback speaker up up for me. So when I was here and my voice, it was coming out like a half a second later after them out of the mic. So it took me a long time to get used to that kind of thing. But I went there, I did, but the thing was is before well, well, I went there on the, on the Friday, that was a Sunday. And on the Friday, they called me, Scott Hall, uh, Johnny B. Bad, uh, like uh, a couple other guys, they called us all into the office and they offered us these basic contracts 75,000 and 150 on the rollover. And so um, everybody signed the contract that, right there in the office. I was the only one left with the contract unsigned. So I went back home. I was living in Alexander City, Alabama at the time, drove 2 hours home, you know, I uh, went back and then on the Sunday I saw Dan at uh, Dusty in the Dungeon at the Ramada um, before before the show started. And I went up to Dusty and, and I said, Dusty, I want, I'd like to talk to you about this contract. I'm not too pleased about it. And he goes, uh, he goes, I can't talk to you right now, baby. But uh, we'll get we'll get it we'll get on with each other at the Omni, baby. And so I got to the Omni. He pulls me in one of these offices, you know, gold faucets and everything like that. It's just a suite, right? And he pulls me in there and he goes, baby, you know, I'm bringing you in. You're kind of like my first child, if you will. You're the you know, you know, my first, first baby that I'm bringing in uh, on my team. And I just want to let you know, no matter what happens, we'll try to be a new thing. And if it doesn't work out, we're going to try something else. And I was like, okay, Dusty, all right, I'll sign it. And so I signed that fucking ridiculous contract and I had him by the balls because I shouldn't have signed the contract. Because that Great American Bash commercial was already airing on TBS and, and TNT and everything, so I kind of, I kind of, uh, yeah, I shit the bucket there and, and I signed too early, and then of course I worked for Dusty for a while there and then they threw me under the bus and the rest is history. So, uh, but that's my Dusty Road story and I, I mean, he's he's passed away and he's gone and and. Uh, I was really disappointed because I really got railroaded out of the company and stuff like that. And I really trusted, I took Dusty at his word, you know what I mean? And uh, I was, I was really disappointed. Boy, boy, I'll tell you what, the guy, the guy could talk and he talked me into, into signing that ridiculous contract instead of, uh, instead of holding out for a little bit extra.
4: Well, you know, that's a hell of a, Dusty Rhodes story, like you said, he's not with us here to defend himself right now. But, you know, both of his boys are still doing very well. You know, uh, Dustin, he's uh, working for AEW right now. And I heard that he just started his own wrestling school like about a year ago. And I heard that he wants to kind of get off the television and concentrate more on his wrestling school and, and the students. And, you know, more power to him. You know, he's got nothing nothing left to prove. And in my opinion, you know, Dustin is a hall of famer and um, he's been around, you know, he's no different than his dad. You know, he's paid his dues and he's a great performer, an excellent entertainer, and he's just got nothing left to prove. And he wants to give back to, to the students. And, you know, I love that, you know, that he wants to concentrate on his wrestling school and, and making his students great wrestlers. You know, you know, you know, know,
2: you you brought that back full circle, Mike, because you know I agree Dustin Rhodes should be a Hall of Famer, but for the character of Gold Dust. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. great character. Well, I think what? the
0: character of Dust, uh, the Gold Dust character, was a great character. I was with him in WCW, but I think that's where he really honed his craft because uh he was on every night, whether it was with. Ricky Morton or Terry Taylor or Arn Anderson. Uh, I mean, he was on those, you know, those really solid workers. He was on with those guys every night. And if you don't learn to work when you're on with that kind of talent, every night you learn how to tell a story. The Bobby Eaton's as well. You learn how to tell a story. You learn timing. And I always was, I'm a big fan of Dustin's timing. I think he's got tremendous timing. I thought Cody, I thought Cody's timing was fantastic the other night. So, no, I got, you know, more power to him. I'm, I'm sure that he'd be a great teacher. Um, and um, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I imagine that the school will do really well, too.
4: Well, you know, Goldust, when he was working for the WWF and doing the Goldust character, um, I, they, Vince actually brought me in to be his bodyguard. Um, the first job was In Your House pay-per-view in Omaha, Nebraska. Because he hurt, it blew out his knee in a year in Europe, and he was supposed to do a big uh, main event with the Ultimate Warrior, and so he was hurt. He couldn't fucking work, and so they was like, "Well, geez, we got to make the fans happy somehow and let them get their nuts off." So they asked me to be his bodyguard, and and you know I end up fucking sticking it to the Ultimate Warrior, and then, you know, he did the Warrior fucking shake, and it was all over but the shouting, you know, he ripped off my jacket, he ripped off my shirt, he gave me a couple of clotheslines, gave me the big whopping clothesline over the top rope, got up, climbed up, put my fucking hat on his head, and got the cheers, and they were, they were totally happy with it, but I mean, it was a, it was a pleasure working with Dustin at that time, and um, such a great mind in wrestling, you know, I mean, he really is a chip off the old block, you know, I mean, and Cody's the same way. They're all great, you know, uh, generational wrestlers and they learn from one of the best of all time. So they can't help, but be good. And I think that if they were anything less, we would ask why, you know, why are they like this? Why aren't they better? Why aren't they this? Why aren't they that? And, but we don't have to, because they're great performers and they know their job and they just go out there and do it every night like everybody else does.
0: I think uh, I think that if you look at most legacy wrestlers, um, most of them really are just naturals at the business because they were growing up watching their dads or their moms uh, wrestle and uh, it just, it was sunk into them. So the learning learning how to tell a story or learning how to talk on the microphone, it all comes at a pretty young
2: age. I got to tell you another great show, guys. Um, We're almost out of time. Anything you want to say to the fans out there? Well, the
4: only thing I got to say is thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that we are still able to entertain everybody and give you what you want. You know, we might say some controversial things on here, but, You know what? That's just who we are. And um, this is our platform. So we're going to give our honest opinion. And if you don't like it, then, you know, tune off. That's all I can tell you. But, you know, like, subscribe and share. And, um, you know, thanks for thanks for putting up with us week after week. And and we're here for the long haul. So appreciate you guys.
2: And real quick, I want to mention everybody out there that you're you have your own YouTube channel now. So, Paul, if you could direct people to that YouTube channel where we'll be putting more uh, material on.
0: Yeah, we're just working on it right now. And it's sobsportsnetwork Sports Network, uh, at youtube.com. dot uh, So you can uh, check that out. Uh, we're also uh, going to be setting up a Facebook page pretty soon and also a Twitter feed. So uh, when I get that all set up, we'll uh, get back to everybody and let them know. Um, and then we're going to be trying to film a little bit more day to day content so that we can uh, be a little bit more accessible to the fans. So and uh, as Mike said, everybody's got an opinion or I, I'm still part of that uh of that group that believes that everybody's entitled to their opinion and you know opinions are like assholes everybody's got one and uh yeah we're all entitled to it sob sports it's in the name we're we're sobs so we're going to say what we feel
2: well with that bruce anything to promote before we cut out bruce Bruce? is tongue-tied Well, he has his mic off, so... He's got his mic off. Well, (laughs) fuck Bruce. Bruce,
5: We'll take it over for you here, Bruce. So, don't forget to catch Monty and the Fowl every Thursday night at 9 p.m. on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. And then catch the after show at 10.30 following that.
4: So, on that note, everybody, we have a motto here at SOB Sports. And that is, you only die once. But you live every day.
0: Woo! Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. Thanks, everybody, for watching. See you next week.